going to begin in Durham, where about 8,000 Duke Energy customers spend all night without power, thanks to what Duke Energy describes as an equipment issue at a substation, WRAL reporting that. The outage is affecting customers east of downtown. Estimated restoration time now is about 9 o'clock this morning, but that is after a night where temps again dip down around 20 degrees. If you're driving around that area this morning, you're going to want to watch for stoplights out, treat them as four-way stops, and get everyone through safely. Meanwhile, in Carborough, police have made an arrest in the shooting that occurred at the West End Flats apartment community on Christmas Eve. 19-year-old Daniel Cruz Rivera was arrested yesterday and charged with multiple felonies, including assault with a deadly weapon with intent to kill. He was in Durham County Jail as of yesterday afternoon. The victim in that shooting is still recovering from what were described as life-threatening injuries. Turning to local government, a pair of meetings today. First, the Durham City Council meets at 1 o'clock this afternoon for a work session that includes discussions on affordable housing, possible grant opportunities, and next year's budget. Third meeting they've had this week already. Then the Chapel Hill Carborough School Board meets tonight at 6. Their agenda includes a revised plan on how to implement the new Parents' Bill of Rights law with recommendations from the district's policy committee. You can get links to both agendas on our website, chapelborough.com. Speaking of local government, Congrats to Pittsburgh Mayor Kyle Shipp. He got appointed this week to the EPA's Small Communities Advisory Committee. In a statement, Shipp said he's hoping to use the opportunity to draw more national attention to PFAS or forever chemicals, which have been a nagging issue in Pittsburgh for several years. Meanwhile, the Carborough Town Council met on Tuesday night to get recommendations from a task force on community safety that was formed in 2020 in the wake of George Floyd's murder. Recommendations focused on how to shift more of the crisis response burden and resources away from police and onto social services and other agencies similar to the HEART program that already exists in Durham. Another recommendation involved reducing the number of officers on foot patrol. Police Chief Chris Atak defended patrol officers as critical to community building, a key component of public safety, but council member Danny Nowell said it might take more than that to really achieve the stated goal. You know, I hear and appreciate the desire to have foot patrol officers as a sort of a community bridge building thing. I think that the outreach that we heard from the task force is that that's not getting home. People on the ground are not feeling like foot patrol police officers are, in fact, building bridges in community. And one of the recommendations that are that is in here that I think could be relatively low material resource, um, though time is a resource, is these non-uniformed, non-armed listening sessions where we are maybe taking the lead foot as a town with some of the groups that are, you know, IFC and <coughs> others that... I think would like to see us, and by us I mean our department particularly, come to them. That's Carborough Town Council Member Danny Nowell speaking there. In Raleigh, President Biden is visiting today to highlight new federal funding for high-speed Internet. Meanwhile, good news for state Supreme Court Justice Anita Earle. She had been facing an ethics investigation over her public criticism of racial disparities in the justice system. WRAL, though, reports that complaint has now been dismissed. Earls had filed a federal lawsuit claiming the probe was violating her freedom of speech. She has now dropped that lawsuit as well. Also in state news, a positive development on the COVID-19 front as hospitalizations held steady for the second straight week and COVID particles in wastewater dropped by a third after spiking the week before. The state also saw a drop in flu-related hospitalizations, now about half of what they were two weeks ago. All of those metrics do remain high, though, as we're still in the middle of winter, so health officials are still urging everyone to keep taking basic precautions and stay up to date on your vaccines. 
Closer to home, Durham schools are asking parents to drive their kids to and from school if possible today as the district deals with a bus driver shortage sparked by a salary dispute. WRAL again reporting about 50 drivers were out yesterday as protests continue over reported salary cuts. Meanwhile, back in Orange County, the News of Orange is reporting a possible issue with contaminated gas sold at the Circle K in Hillsborough last week, causing damage to numerous vehicles. The gas reportedly had water in it. If you got gas at that location last week and had to repair your car afterward, contact the gas station for possible reimbursement. And over in Alamance County, the Mebane City Council made a very big decision last week, signing off on a contentious proposal to build a giant Bucky's gas station along the interstate two years after a similar plan was rejected in Orange County. With the full story on that, here's 97.9 The Hills, Brighton McConnell. The Mebane City Council approved Bucky's conditional zoning application 5 to nothing, which will bring a 74,000-square-foot travel center building and 120 gas pumps to 1425 Trollingwood Hawfields Road. The site is just 10 minutes west along Interstates 40 and 85, where the Texas company had initially applied to build in Orange County in 2020. At that time, the proposal for Eflin Station, which aimed to build one of the signature Bucky's travel plazas and create a hub for other businesses to eventually develop, was met with a mix of skepticism and support among residents and elected officials. During the conditional zoning process, the Orange County commissioners effectively tabled the project by asking for more conditions after three rounds of public hearings, specifically pushing for more environmental protections and more electric vehicle charging stations. Two weeks later, Bucky's pulled the project, citing the county as, quote, just not a good fit and calling the commissioners, quote, not receptive to their business. The night of the Mebane City Council meeting, dozens of residents shared their feelings during public comment on the latest proposal, with the discussion extending late into the night as people both for and against the gas station chain addressed elected officials. Ultimately, according to Mebane Public Information Officer Kelly Hunter, the council believed Bucky's agreed to enough of the city's requests. They found that the applicant met all of our needs and they had gone back to the drawing board multiple times during the TRC process, our technical review committee, and they had made multiple changes to accommodate and go with Mebane's rules and regulations. Neither Mebane or Alamance County offered tax breaks or financial incentives to Bucky's in the final approval, according to Hunter, with the travel center company shouldering the costs of road maintenance and updates around exit 152 off I-40 in order to get to the future gas station. So the widening of the bridge, the widening of the roads getting off I-40 and I-85, all of that will be completed before Bucky's even opens their doors. And that will help to alleviate the traffic and deal with the influx of cars that will be coming to Mebane. Among community members' concerns brought during the public comment period were the general environmental impact and the risk of any spills. Hunter said Bucky's representatives assured city officials over their measures to prevent and respond to any such situation including moving the storage tanks entirely out of a floodplain and installing sensors around the tanks. But these sensors can distinguish between groundwater and fuel, and they have three sets of sensors. So if one fails, then they have a backup for it. And so that'll help them to monitor so that there is no leaks or anything like that, so they can catch that before a major issue would happen. Heaven forbid there's something happened, Bucky's would be responsible for all cleanup and all of that. So none of our money would go into that. Opponents of the travel center, though, contend the economic benefits may not be enough trade-off for environmental changes with increased traffic. 
Among those who advocated against Bucky's is Seven Directions of Service, an indigenous-led environmental justice group based in the Orange and Alamance County region. The group was started in opposition of the Mountain Valley Pipeline, but has since branched out into other efforts to protect indigenous sites and more environmental causes. Crystal Cavalier Keck is a co-founder of the group and spoke with 97.9 The Hill about the Bucky's proposal when Seven Directions of Service was organizing a petition against the application. She said one reason she was concerned about the development is its positioning to an area known in indigenous history as the Great Trading Path. People come up from Florida, come down from Virginia, so it was a trades path. And a lot of people pass away on that trades path. So usually where people would pass away, we would bury them. You know, a lot of villages could have been there possibly. There hasn't been any archaeological surveys done in that community to even look and see because that was all private land. And so now, you know, I guess it's up for sale. According to the Bucky's application to the city of Mebane, the Travel Plaza at 1425 Trollingwood Hawfields Road could complete construction and open as early as 2025. To see renderings of the future Bucky's Mebane location, visit chapelboro.com. For 97.9 The Hill, I'm Brighton McConnell. And finally, if you're driving around northern Chapel Hill, you'll want to watch for overnight street closures on Millhouse Road under the I-40 bridge. Road's going to be closed there Sundays through Thursdays from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. as state crews do work related to the I-40 widening project. The closures are slated to last about three weeks. 621, your time. Time now for sports. Brought to you this hour by Mac Orthodontics. It's now seven wins in a row for Carolina men's basketball after the Tar Heels held off a second-half rally and took down Louisville 86-70 last night in the Smith Center. Carolina shot out of the gate, built a 20-point lead late in the first half, then watched as Louisville closed the lead to five before they finally pulled away late. Here's head coach Hubert Davis after the game. Well, I know how it got to 55-50. We weren't playing any defense. We were in the huddle. I, I told them, I said, they're shooting 90% from the field. I said, that's hard to do that by yourself in the gym with nobody guarding you. I said, that this is the reason why they're in this position is because our lack of commitment on the defensive end. I said, if you want things to change, then we're going to have to defend. We're going to defend without foul. And we're going to have to rebound the basketball. But one of the things that I always tell the team is, you know, whether something good or bad happens, it. The only thing you really have control over is how you react and how you respond. And so when they cut it to five, I loved how we reacted and how we responded. We got stops. We didn't put them on the free throw line. We rebounded the basketball. Um, we got good shots on the offensive end, got to the free throw line, got into the penalty. And um, we played the type of basketball that got us the 18-point lead in the first half, and then we were able to extend the lead and, and come away with the win. That's Hubert Davis there. R.J. Davis led the Heels with 21 points and six assists. Star of the game may have been Louisville transfer Jalen Withers. He came off the bench against his former team with 15 points and 10 rebounds, his first double-double as a Tar Heel on plays like these. R.J. Davis working on the perimeter to Cadeau. Shot clock down to five as he finds a cutting. Oh. Withers! Withers forces it in for two. 8.07 to go. Withers back to the basket left of the lane. Now he faces up. 
trying to back in. Spins baseline. Hangs in wow. the air. Gets it to go off the glass. He'll have a chance for three. And it's Jones Angel on the call there from the Tar Heel Sports Network. You heard it right here on 97.9 The Hill. Heels are back in action Saturday on the road at Boston College. 23rd ranked Tar Heel women get their turn tonight. They're down in Atlanta facing Georgia Tech. UNC women just a half game out of first place in the ACC. The Yellow Jackets are 3-2 and two in the conference, but they're coming off a 38-point loss at Duke. Tip-off time tonight is 6 p.m., and we'll have all that action for you right here on 97.9 The Hill. One other Tar Heel team is in action today, UNC men's tennis, getting their year started hosting both Campbell and NC Central. Elsewhere in sports, congrats to eight Tar Heel lacrosse stars who earned preseason All-America honors from USA Lacrosse. Seven on the women's side, one on the men's. On the women's side, Brooklyn Walker-Welch made the first team. Emily Knowles made the second team. Caitlin Wurzberger made the third team. An honorable mention went to Riley Casey, Alyssa Long, Alicia Nicholas, and Marissa White. Paul Barton earned honorable mention on the men's side. Both the men and women open up their season on February 10th. That's less than a month away. And finally, big congratulations to Tar Heel basketball star Pete Nance, whose NBA dreams may be about to come true. He went undrafted last year and wound up playing in the G League, but the Cleveland Cavaliers are reportedly calling him up on a 10-day contract.